time, weather, and... Always pass. Okay, so... Wonderful, wonderful nightmare for a story, isn't it? Hello, dreamers, and thank you for joining me for tonight's episode of Nightmare on Demand. Brought to you by their new story writing AI. What's it about? I'll give you a hint. The Wailing Woman. The Legend of La Llorona. How dare you ask me of this? Luisa's mother hissed. Do you wish to dishonor our family? Talk of this again, and you'll soon receive a strapping. You'll not soon forget. Luisa submitted to her mother, as always. Mama's threat was no bluff, and Luisa didn't want to further incite any maternal wrath. Mama's strappings left Luisa's back sore for days. Luisa bowed her head obediently, but she could still sense Mama's burning gaze. Do you understand me? Yes, Mama. Do we still have a problem? No, Mama. Good. Then quit wasting time. Luisa nodded and exited the adobe house. She picked up the two large clay jugs and headed for the river. As she was the youngest daughter in a family of eleven children, Luisa's numerous duties included preparing the family's meals. Electricity wouldn't be discovered for years, so her ceaseless task required demanding physical labor. I'm going to die alone and old, Luisa told herself for the thousandth time. Luisa found Juan waiting by the river, underneath her favorite mesquite tree exactly as planned. He took one look at her despondent face, and his smile faded. She said no, Juan said. She said never. I should have asked her myself, like any suitor would, Juan declared. I'm going to tell her how much I love you. She has to be reasonable. The young man took a step toward Luisa's house. Luisa grabbed her arm. No, Juan, please. Juan saw the tears in his beloved's eyes. He pulled Luisa close and held her as she wept. Luisa gathered herself after a few minutes and broke their embrace. Someone might see us, she said. The eyes of the noisy village didn't miss a thing. and Everyone in the village knew Luisa wasn't allowed to be alone with Juan any man for that matter. Juan slipped behind a nearby bush, but stayed close enough to talk to Luisa, who kneeled and filled the jugs with water. Most young women disliked hauling the heavy jugs, but Luisa didn't mind the task. Her three daily trips to the river gave Luisa chances to escape her mother's constant orders, and more important, they gave her time to meet Juan in secret. I hate this tradition, Juan complained bitterly. Why shouldn't you be able to marry? Just because you're their youngest daughter, 
You shouldn't have to suffer. What is wrong with me wanting a family of my own? Louisa asked. I won't waste my whole life serving Mama. Louisa placed the jugs aside, stepped into the river, and let the gentle sound of the water gurgling over the rocks soothe her, as it always did. She bent down and let her waist-length black hair trail in the water. Louisa loved the river like no other place. The Mexican desert often endured temperatures of well over 100 degrees, so most of the village took a siesta every day after lunch, when the heat became truly unbearable. But Luisa relished the siesta hour because it provided another chance for she and Juan to rendezvous at their hiding place. Sometimes they swam in the chilly water, and at other times they just sat and talked. Luisa feared her dream of marrying Juan and having a family would never come to pass. Tradition prevented the youngest daughter of any respectable family from entering into marriage as long as her parents were alive, and Luisa's mother enforced the honoring of customs and traditions with stern rigidity. Most of her siblings had already married, but Luisa found herself saddled with the lifelong responsibility of caring for and living with her parents, until they died. I hate her, she said. If it were up to Papa, we'd already be married. She'll change your mind, Juan said from his hiding place. She has to. Mama isn't one to change her mind. She dipped her head underwater, snapped it out, and sprayed Juan with her hair. But then again, neither am I she declared. Juan smiled at Luisa, and she loved him as much as she ever had. Luisa wrung her hair dry and steeled herself for another tedious day filled with work with Mama's orders. I'll never give up, she vowed. I won't let her make me an old maid. Time passed. Eventually, the rest of Luisa's brothers and sisters married, leaving their youngest sibling alone to tend after her parents. But Luisa and Juan never surrendered their dream to marry. Although Luisa never mentioned the subject to Mama again, the girl's discontent remained evident to everyone in the community. Why must you insist on shaming me? Mama asked time and time again. You wear that frown as though you were in mourning every day of your life. Early one morning, Luisa's father followed his daughter to the river and found her talking to Juan, an offense punishable by severe strapping. Don't worry, Papa said. I know you meet here every day. Your secret's safe with me. Thank you, Papa, Luisa said, hugging her father. I can't stand the sight of your misery any longer, Papa said. Neither can your Mama. Though she doesn't show it, she loves you very much. But sometimes I think if it weren't for you, she would be the most stubborn person I know. The young couple exchanged confused glances. One, Papa said, go put on your finest outfit. You and I are going to have an overdue talk with my wife.
Louise's parents shocked the entire community when they did the unimaginable. They granted Louisa and her longtime suitor their blessing to marry, a decision which gave the village plenty to gossip about until the wedding day. Some people staunchly and self-righteously refused to attend the unheard-of event. She's shameless and disrespectful, they said. No good will come of this. The wedding took place by the river, at Luisa and Juan's once secret meeting spot. Papa even arranged a huge matanza to celebrate the occasion, just to show everyone how proud he was of his baby girl. The wedding was the best day of Luisa's life. Until her brothers pulled the roasted pig from the pit in the ground where they had been cooking all afternoon. The men hauled the hog onto a canvas and carved steaming pieces of meat with large knives. Moments later, the pig slipped out of their grasp and rolled onto its belly. To Luisa's horror, her wedding dinner stood on wobbly legs, stared at her in the face, and condemned her with dark eyes. Doom! Doom! The animal squealed. Doom on you, impudent girl! Louisa felt sick. To her further dismay, nobody else saw the mystical event. The morbid vision presented itself for her eyes only. Louisa fainted. When she came to, she found herself reclining under the shade of her favorite mesquite tree. Her new husband wiped her face with a cloth. You're all right, darling, Juan assured her. Here, have some water. Louisa did her best to forget the disturbing vision, but she couldn't bring herself to eat a bite of the roasted hog. Everything went well during the early years of the marriage. Louisa and her husband were happy, and soon they had a baby boy. A year later, Louisa gave birth to a daughter. Louisa remained content as the babies grew into children, but her husband did not. After only four years of marriage, he grew restless and began to depart on small adventures. His trips initially only lasted a day or two, but eventually they got longer. He loved to hunt, and after his expeditions, the family ate deer, rabbit, or javelina. The hunting trips became more frequent and lasted longer with each passing year, as Juan developed a taste for spending time in big cities. Luisa provided for her children, struggled to cultivate and maintain a farm, and endured the scorn of the village. Few people acted decently toward her. Many even treated the children with cold disapproval. It's wrong for our children to grow up this way, Louisa told Juan during one of his brief stays at home between trips. Don't leave again. We can still be happy. She and the children woke up the next morning, only to find themselves alone again. The villagers watched smugly and continued to gossip. Your father will return for good, she told her children. I know he will. 
Eventually, Juan did return, but not as Luisa had hoped. He rode through the village in a horse-drawn carriage, accompanied by an elegant lady from Spain. The once-loving husband avoided making eye contact with Luisa and summoned his children to the carriage. Then Juan handed his son a jingling pouch. Give this money to your mother, he instructed, and tell her goodbye. You're both coming with me. Luisa smacked the pouch from her son's hand. Gold coins scattered in the dirt, and Luisa spat on them. You coward! Look at me in the eyes! Juan stared ahead. Luisa stepped between the children and the carriage, protecting her little ones as a mother grizzly protects her cubs from their father. You are still married to me, she said, and you'll never take my children. The woman in the carriage smiled victoriously and tossed a sealed document at Luisa. The defiant mother didn't acknowledge it. He's not yours anymore, the woman gloated. Nor are the children. Come, Juan ordered his children. I won't tell you again. Luisa's face burned with shame as she felt the eyes of the village witnessing her betrayal and abandonment. The shame quickly evolved into rage. How dare you do this to me, she hissed. I'll make you pay for this, fool! But how could she? Juan exited the carriage and took a tentative step towards his children. There's nothing you can do. The documents are legal and signed by... Luisa attacked her husband with the reckless abandon of a battle-crazed warrior. She pummeled him with her fists and feet and clawed at him like one possessed. Never! 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 She screamed as her savage assault beat Juan down. You'll never have my children! Luisa succumbed to the utter frustration and grief. She fell to the ground, tore at her face and clothes with her nails, and wailed uncontrollably. The entire village stared as she rolled madly in the dirt. Her tears turned the dust covering her face into mud, which the desert sun transformed into a crusty layer of skin. And the young woman seemed to age a hundred years before her children's eyes. Her once stunning mane of black hair clung in ragged, filthy clumps across her face and body. Nothing about this wild, drooling, screeching woman resembled the once peaceful and happy Louisa. Then she knew. She knew a way to get back at the man who had betrayed her. You'll pay for this, she screamed as the abominable idea flooded her mind, shattered all sense of reason, and replaced sanity with a desire for vengeance. The summer monsoons had filled the river with a deep water and strong currents. The deranged mother grabbed her crying children and dragged them into the river. I won't let him take you, she vowed. No, Mama, her boy yelled as Luisa's unspeakable intentions became clear. Juan laid in the dirt and wiped his bloodied face. What are you doing? He numbly mumbled. 
the currents tugged Louisa underwater and washed the filth off her wretched body as she drowned her beloved children. No! Juan yelled. Horror-struck witnesses later claimed the swirling river frowned as it reached out, took the children from the world, and swept them away. Louisa's sanity returned, but not for long. When the poor young mother realized what she had done, she wept and screamed in soul-wrenching dismay. She dove under the water and desperately tried to rescue her little ones, but the river handed out swift justice. Louisa drowned, searching for them. Juan grabbed the carriage wheel, pulled himself to his feet, and stumbled to the spot where he and Louisa spent so many hours together in happier years. He dove into the murky water and searched for his family. Luis's old father and the other men from the village joined him, but to no avail. The unforgiving water kept what it took, and the bodies of Luisa and her unfortunate children were not found. The river rejected Luisa. It spat her onto dry land at nightfall. The villagers found her lifeless body sprawled at the base of the very tree Luisa and Juan stood beneath when they exchanged their wedding vows. Although some people wanted to burn Luisa's body to protect the community from being cursed by its presence, Luisa's family insisted upon a proper burial. They interred the body immediately with no funeral. A black moon rose that night. A furious storm besieged the village, moments after darkness claimed the desert. People huddled in their adobe houses as torrents of rain and hail ravaged their doors and windows. The wind made the storm worse. It ripped through the canyon, whistled through the walls of the houses, and into the terrified hearts of everyone who heard it. Those who heard the sound prayed for safety, for nature never intended wind to screech as it did that fateful night. The distinct sound of a human scream reverberated through the howling gale. The screech permeated the entire village and transcended the intense noise caused by the thunderstorm's fury. Families put more logs on their hearth fires, but the extra light didn't help provide any sense of security. The screams inspired by torture were never as hideous as the sounds the villagers heard when Louisa returned from the dead. Nobody actually saw her that night, because nobody was brave enough or foolish enough to venture outside to look for the source of that unholy wailing. But every man, woman, and child in the village heard her over and over and over again.
The cries emanated from the river, drifted along the ditch banks, and floated from the bowels of the village well, and grew increasingly persistent. Unrelenting sorrow racked the cries. Wrenching, pitiful sobs flowed under the doorsteps and window seals of those poor villagers. Fingers dripping with river water helped the wind rattle window panes and doorknobs as Louisa searched for her little ones. Nobody extinguished their candles, lamps, and fireplaces until morning. Who could bear to be in the dark? hearing those chilling screams. The cries returned every night. In the months following Louisa's death, numerous children who were not home before dark disappeared, never to be seen again. The disappearances spread throughout Mexico, and in South America, and the southwestern United States. Parents learned to have their children indoors by nightfall. People even saw her on occasion. Many such unfortunate eyewitnesses went mad or died of fright. Reports of what they saw differed from one person to the next. Some swore black garments clung to her body. Others said a white gown clad the ghostly figure. Some eyewitnesses claimed she had no face, while others reported she bore the face of a pale horse with glowing eyes. She appeared as a shriveled old woman with long cloths and tangled black hair that reached to the ground. At times, she materialized as a beautiful girl dripping water and trapped in dragging chains. Or she took the form of a skeleton, wrapped in a soaking wet taplolo. Luisa's maddened spirit is still out there. She is driven insane, night after night, by the all-consuming guilt and pain she endures for drowning her own children. She hates herself for what she did to her young ones, much as she also loathes her ongoing punishment. But she can't stop herself. She must eternally relive the horror of her crime. She searches for her little ones ceaselessly and believes all children are her own. The unfortunate victim she captures experience the same fate her beloved children suffered so many years ago. No riverbank, abandoned well, beach, lake, pond, or pool is safe. Ditches are deadly. Walk along one by yourself after dark, and you're sure to see or hear her. Those anguished, blood-curdling cries will never stop. That's why she is called La Llorona, the Wailing Woman. 
she's wailing for her lost children, even now. <laughs>